Welcome back to the I'm Booked Podcast. I'm April O'Leary, and today we have John Cordero on, who is the author of The History of Hip Hop in Miami. He is the former publisher of a magazine called The Cypher, Miami's hip hop newspaper, and he took his experience and parsed it into becoming an author and is now out promoting his book and has a lot of great marketing tips for authors as well. So let's stay tuned and hear what he has to say in this episode. Let's get started. But before we get into the episode, I want to encourage you to stop by O'LearyPublishing.com where you can take our author adventure quiz because knowing how to market a book can't happen unless you have a book. So let's get you on the path to authorship today. You can take our author adventure quiz for free at O'LearyPublishing.com and you can speak with me personally by scheduling a publishing consultation and there might be a special surprise for you at the end of the quiz. Let's jump on in. Welcome back to the I'm Booked podcast. I'm April O'Leary, and I'm here today with John Cordero. I'm so excited. He's the author of The History of Miami Hip Hop, the story of DJ Khalid, Pitbull, DJ Craze, and other contributors to South Florida's scene. And we met at a recent conference over in Miami Beach, called Beyond Words Book Fest, where he was a speaker and I was a speaker. and We both had tables there and it was a really awesome time. So I'm glad to be connecting with you here today, John. Thanks for being here. Thank on. you. Like, thank you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, you know, I love hearing about author stories. And for me, the book is one part of the story that an author has to share. But the backstory to the story is what I love the most. And it's where I love to start because every author brings their own experience to the table. I mean, I could never write the history of Miami hip hop. I don't know anything hardly about Miami hip hop, but you do. And so how did you get interested in the Miami hip hop scene and what's your connection to it that led you to the point of even considering writing a book about it? Right. Well, it all started back in the early 90s, excuse me, uh, high school years and beyond, where I uh, developed a love and a never-ending, I guess, uh, obsession, (laughs) to put it mildly, with hip-hop culture in general. Hip-hop is a culture that has many elements within it, and there are four uh, universally recognized elements, which would be MC or rapping, DJ, uh, or turntablism, graffiti, or street art, and a dance or break breaking, sometimes called break dancing. Uh, so I dabbled in all of those. Uh, some I was more proficient than others. Uh, obviously, didn't make it to the next level, you know, the professional level, as so many other artists that also started out just being fans. Everybody starts out as a fan. And so what I did was then <clears throat> I published, I founded and published a local hip hop magazine called The Cypher. And that was basically uh, chronicling what was going on in the city at the time. It was the late 90s, an era where Miami hip hop was still sort of underground, uh, but coming out of that underground shadow, it was being recognized uh, across uh, media. And there were uh, big developments happening down here as far as uh, music industry conferences and uh, artists coming out to perform and the city being recognized as having its own homegrown talent. So all of these things were combining, and that's where I came in to chronicle and to 
uh, featured uh, local artists, local MCs, DJs, graffiti artists, and dancers, and then uh, giving them a platform to not only express themselves, but to express what the city uh, was about, what was uh, going on. Uh, in the book uh, title, you mentioned DJ Khaled and Pitbull. They all started out as underground unknown figures and look where they are today. That didn't happen overnight. And so what I wanted to do with the book was to bring those stories from uh, back then, from the 90s and the early 2000s and update it to show how a guy like DJ Khaled, who started out as an illegal underground pirate radio station host, uh, DJ, is now this multi-platinum recording star known worldwide. <laughs> Same with Pitbull. I have a personal experience with him in that when I had the magazine, he gave me his very first demo uh, cassette tape back in the days when cassette tapes existed. And uh, he, again, he was totally unknown. He was just starting out and he gave me his demo and we reviewed it and printed it in the magazine. And then of course, look who Pitbull is today. So that's just two very small examples of all the vast talent that was developed in Miami. And my mission was to feature and chronicle uh, not only those famous artists, but also other artists that didn't achieve that level of fame, but still nevertheless contributed to the development of the Miami hip hop scene that we see today. It's beautiful. I love that example. I find that fascinating. And you said that you dabbled in all four. Which one of the four was sort of your <laughs> strongest or most, um, the one you were most interested in yourself personally? Yes, I would say uh, graffiti, uh, spray painting. Uh, back in the 90s, also in Miami, there were, and this is mentioned in the book, there were outdoor graffiti galleries that we called penance, short for penitentiary. It's a local slang word. The very first one was an abandoned, uncompleted penitentiary that became an outdoor graffiti art gallery museum. Uh, if uh, some of the listeners have been to Wynwood, uh, here in Miami, you'll see giant murals, world-famous artists, and, you know, just mind-blowing artwork. Uh, that started here in Miami also back in the late 80s, early 90s, where abandoned buildings throughout the city were taken over by graffiti artists and also developed into uh, uh, galleries, outdoor galleries. So I lived close to one, uh, about five blocks away at the time, and so I would go there pretty much every day and just uh, paint, express myself. Um, I didn't stick with it to become, again, like one of these internationally recognized uh, graffiti and street mural artists that you see in Wynwood and other places throughout the country and the world. But that's the one that uh, really captured me, captured my imagination. I still have my old uh, black books, uh, drawings from high school and, and those years. And so that's, you know, that's the one that uh, gave me the tool to express myself. And then of course, actual writing. Uh, graffiti writers, artists call themselves writers because they write their names uh, on walls. Uh, but then I became a writer, writer, a traditional <laughs> pen to paper, typing on the computer type of writer. And that's where the book comes in. Yeah. Well, maybe that needs to be the fifth area pop <laughs> that you're defining now. Right. There's all. There's been always discussion about other elements of hip hop. Some will say uh, getting knowledge. Uh, some would say uh, fashion, you know, the way you dress, uh, slang, uh, the way to speak, uh, you know, uh, giving all kinds of different um, religious kind of movements that so influence hip hop culture as well. Uh, so those will be also additional elements. Some would consider them. 
I love that. So now how did you bridge into writing yourself? Like, did you always have a talent for writing or was it something you just discovered was a gift? Uh, yeah, I would say I discovered it on my own. I, I always loved reading since I was uh, a, a kid. I loved to read. And so eventually uh, in high school, I just started writing short stories. Uh, <laughs> I was one of those kids that wrote and read for fun, which is the opposite of pretty much every high school kid that hates reading and writing. Read? Can I ask, what did you read then? What were some of your favorites? Uh, yeah, I remember uh, being uh, assigned in English class books like uh, Voltaire, Candide was a favorite one of mine. Uh, uh, Madame Bovary, uh, I like that one. Uh, Heart of Darkness. Um, and and then other books that I picked up along the way that weren't assigned in school, but books like uh, Spider Town by Abraham Rodriguez was very influential. Um, and then, of course, uh, later, uh, hip-hop books started coming out, books about graffiti, like subway art, spray can art, uh, other books about uh, hip-hop itself, uh, all kinds of biographies by famous and not-so-famous rappers and uh, DJs. So it was just a constant, never-ending quest to read uh, more about the culture itself. And then that inspired me to start writing. And when I put out the magazine, I had no editor. I was the editor. So I was editing my own writing, which is probably not the best thing to do when you're starting out writing to edit your own writing. But it was the point where I didn't know any, you do any that, editors. Right? Yes. So <laughs> the I mean, main thing. really fascinating that you, you know, not only did you love reading and writing at an age when most kids are not doing that. So I find that just incredible. But also that you had the entrepreneurial spirit to start a magazine because that is no easy task. So what was that like? Because I, I actually don't think I've ever interviewed someone who started mm -hmm. off in the magazine world and then wrote a book. I mean, magazines to me seem like almost maybe more difficult because it's constantly content that always has to be pushed out. You know, where a book, it's a larger piece of work, but you write it. And then you focus on promoting that bigger piece of work. So how is that in, in your mind, the first idea of like, I'm going to do a magazine and, you know, you must have a connector personality, I'm guessing, <laughs> to be together, um, you know, to, to, to find people that have interesting stories and then interview them and then write the stories and all that. So how did you just tackle all of that? Right. Well, at the time, uh, in the late 90s, there were a number of national hip hop magazines. The most uh, famous one and the one with the widest situation was the Source magazine. There were others from different parts of the country. However, in Miami, we did not have a nationally distributed magazine. We had no media period. There were a few newsletters and black and white type of, you know, newsletters and uh, stapled zines uh, that went around before uh, Miami Method was one focused on graffiti. Free Ground was focused on hip hop itself, but they didn't last, you know, they didn't have a continuing uh, run. So then when I came along, it was, okay, the, ma the national magazines are ignoring us. They don't write about Miami. They don't cover our scene. They just come down here to party at their conventions and then they leave and, you know, nothing uh, gets chronicled. So then I had, uh, I came across a newsletter from another uh, hip hop crew and they were looking for writers. So I said, yes, I'm interested. Let me write for your newsletter. However, I wanted to expand it. I had the idea to not just a newsletter, let's make it a monthly publication. Let's make it a monthly magazine. And it was uh, a pure labor of love. 
We gave it away for free. I would sit in my room and cut and paste onto a board, a cardboard uh, printouts, right, from the computer. Take that cut and paste cardboard to the printing plant, and then they will print uh, the newspapers and the magazines in a couple of days. Take those uh, bundles and hand them out at the schools, uh, the stores, record stores, uh, when people were leaving the clubs and the concerts, and it just became a word of mouth type of thing. Uh, put it in different establishments. We had, then I went out, uh, me and the staff would get sponsors, uh, local businesses, barber shops, record stores, clothing shops to advertise in the uh, magazine. The money that they gave us to advertise is the money that we used to pay for the printing. Uh, so again, we were all 20, 21 years old, still living at home, no concerns about bills and rent, et cetera. So it was a pure level of love. It's that time in your life where you're just so inspired and motivated because you're not worried about anything else. There's no kids, there's no you know, mortgage, there's none of that. So it's all your energy and your passion and it goes into you know this labor of love, in my case, the, the magazine and um, after a while, then it started getting more recognized. Like I mentioned, artists were giving us their tapes and their records to review. And then we were getting in free to all the clubs and the parties and, and the conventions. It all uh, grew, you know, from starting it in my bedroom until this uh, magazine that was getting more and more recognition. And then unfortunately, of course, as I mentioned, us being kids, not knowing anything about running a business, not having taken any financial literacy business uh, courses, uh, I write about in the book how one of our artwork that we featured was stolen by another magazine uh, because we were not incorporated. We didn't have an LLC, a company, you know, there was, it was what they call a poor man's copyright, right? When you print it, it's your copyright, but that's not really, you know, uh, uh, a legal type of standing. It's more like, oh yeah, this is mine, but you can't prove it because it's, it doesn't have a business name on it. There's no business address. Right, so those kind of things uh, led eventually to the downfall of the magazine, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that as a young kid, you know, I have kids now that my oldest daughter's 22 and my middle's 20 and my youngest is 16. And you just think that, you know, when, when you're that age, like you said, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have kids, not everybody's in that situation, but, right. you know. In general, that, yeah. In general. Yeah, we're generalizing here. Um, and to just know like the world's your oyster and you, it's almost like ignorance on fire, right? Right. <laughs> we just do all kinds of things. And then, you know, I, I've done that too, even in my own business. And I'll say as, as a middle-aged person where I've had potholes that I didn't realize, and then you, you end up in the bottom of them. And then you're like, oh crap, I didn't know I needed to do that. <laughs> and then you learn to do that. Um, right. So right. They're hard lessons for sure. So I'm sure that that was a hard lesson for you, having put so much time and labor of love into all of that and to watch some, you know, explosion happen that basically took the magazine to its end. But if I can guess, like a lot of times when we hit those dark periods, then light emerges. And then we look back and we're like, well, thank God that that happened because then the next chapter, this happened. So what was your next, this happened after the magazine sort of ended for you? Right. So the magazine ended, uh, I would say around 2000, 2001. 
And then after I was burnt out and we all were burnt out, it was a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, you know, a lot of passive aggressive behavior that pretty much, again, in general, most uh, young people at that age engage in, including us. So we all went our separate ways. Uh, I went into the Navy. I did four years in the Navy, came back home. And then when I was back home, I got the inspiration of, oh, there should be something, uh, some kind of book, because, again, a lot of other books were coming out. And so I took uh, what I considered to be the highlights of the magazine, of the run of the magazine, the two, three year run, as far as like interviews with artists, uh, interviews with locals and uh, all the different um, stories that we ran. So I took the best, what I consider the best of those and developed the narrative around it. So I put my personal story and then the interviews and the stories from the magazine into one uh, whole book which uh, self-published in 2017. And that was very well received. I sold out every copy. Uh, it was amazing to print. I came out of pocket for everything, no no company. Every, I did everything on my own. Again, editing my own writing, which I'm determined to uh, not do again <laughs> with this book. Uh, the History of Miami Hip Hop was edited by a uh, professional editor. So I really appreciate that. I don't consider myself a professional editor. So that's why I... Uh, emphasize that uh, I think writers need good editors and editors that care about the writing. So uh, going back a little bit. So yes, I've self-published this book, very well received, sold out every copy. And then that book led to the opportunity to sign with Microcosm Publishing, which took that self-published book and made it an abridged uh, shorter version and released the history of Miami hip hop. And that one was also very well received. Uh, just a personal highlight for me, I, I was in London earlier this year, just uh, visiting, vacationing, and I had no idea that my book was for sale overseas in London. I walked into a record store uh, in Shoreditch, for those that have been to London, and there it was. There was my book for sale, and I you know, I couldn't believe it. That, that was such an amazing feeling because, again, I had no clue. They didn't tell me that the book was being sold overseas, so that was that was great. I'm sorry. Sorry, did you take a picture of yourself oh. holding the book in London in, in the record store? Oh, yes, yes, I did. I would <laughs> be rushing yes. up to the, the cashier and say, this is me. Yes, yes, yes. And then they did the whole Instagram thing. Oh, I signed the copies and oh, they put it on, you know, to promote it, to get people. I, 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 what I was told is that the book was selling uh, some copies. So that was even better uh, to know. But uh, yeah, so that's been the journey is uh, going from a self-published magazine to a self-published book to now a book uh, published by a, a publisher um, nationally and internationally. And so now I'm just uh, working on the next step. That's amazing. So your, um, your adventures of magazine publisher to self-publisher, you know, as your own editor to getting out and marketing your book with that process for you, um, through that process, you were able to attract your next publishing opportunity. Is that correct? Yes, that's so, correct. So you were approached by Microcosm Publishing. Well, not exactly. Or were you uh, at the pro were you at the stage where you were looking for a publisher and you were wanting to retool the book? Yes, correct. I was uh, looking for wider distribution, uh, a publisher that would take that on, and so they had an open submission process, and I submitted uh, my proposal, etc., and they picked it, and it, the book is, you know, it's here. <laughs> 
Amazing. So I'd love to talk for a few minutes about marketing, because I think one of the biggest struggles for authors, um, self-published authors, independently published authors, um, debut authors, you know, a lot of the people that we work with at O'Leary Publishing are new authors, and they're using the book to sort of build their brand or to package up their expertise in some way. And so they, they may have succeeded in a certain industry, let's say, and have skills, but to be able to um, market your book is a totally other skill set. And so it sounds like from your experience as a, a marketer with your magazine, you came to the table already with quite a bit of marketing skills, but were there anything that you could say that you did for that first self-published book that really worked well, or that you really felt like I'm, I, I found my people and I knew how to market it or, or what? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I would say the first requirement before going out to market your book, anything, is the passion. Your passion has to be there. You have to believe in your work. You have to believe in it more than anything in life. And that passion, that self-belief, that confidence in your work, in your book, is what's going to push you uh, when you go out and promote your book, whether it, I, in my case, what I did was I would walk in with my self-published book into bookstores, record stores, uh, flea markets, right? Any type of gathering that had anything remotely to do with my book subject, which was a book about hip hop in Miami. So again, uh, a book. So I'm going to every bookstore. It's about hip hop. So I'm going to all the record stores. It's about Miami. So I'm going to like Miami uh, events, uh, you know. So anything that getting where I fit in is is what I was doing. And again, that belief of this is my book. I wrote it. Take a look. Uh, and there was a niche because a book like this didn't exist. So that's another key thing is that there's millions of books published every year. But find your niche uh, as an author as, as a, or a publisher into what kind of material, what kind of books you want to release. So uh, again, I found my niche as a writer about hip hop, about Miami and about the culture in general. So that's what allowed me to go into all these establishments that I knew no one, I didn't know anything. I just walked in, I sold my dream, I sold my book. And there's many different ways that some of them took it on consignment. Some of them uh, bought wholesale copies right away. Some of them, oh, just leave a display copy. Let's see what happens. And a few of them said, no, we're not interested. And that's all fine. Like not everyone's going to be interested. Not everyone's going to buy your book outright. But there's all kinds of different ways. Social media, a lot of people like emphasize on it. I believe it's better to be face-to-face, -to, -face, to go outside, as, you know, as, as kids and people say now, go outside and talk to people face-to-face, -face, show them the physical book, show them, let them flip through the pages. And that way you can create that connection because if they see something in the book that catches their eye or, or they know something about you or they, you know, oh, I heard of you, oh, I, I saw you, you know, whatever, that creates that personal connection as opposed to uh, Instagram posts. Oh, I just like it, keep scrolling. Oh yeah, cool, a heart, keep scrolling, right? That's like... It doesn't really go beyond that unless you have that personal uh, connection. Yeah, I love it. And it's so true. I think that in the day of technology that we're in now, uh, attention is so cheap. You know, hearting a post or even mm -hmm. sharing an Instagram story is 
doesn't mean you're following the account or that you care about the person. You might like the quote they posted today mm -hmm. and never see them again. So I do think that the old school, you know, shaking someone's hand, smiling, I was just talking right. to one about that, who's, she's going out to get a job and, you know, we're looking online and I said, just show up at the restaurant. They've got the other, their, all their job openings posted. But if you show up there and you say, hi, I'm so-and-so, you know, I'm interested in the job of server or whatever, they'll get your vibe better than if you submit your, you know, your non-credentials through a portal when you're 19 years old, you know? Absolutely. So. Yeah. <laughs> So what I, I love asking this question because, um, you know, we're one thing I always talk about is writing a book is an adventure and there's all kinds of things that can happen from writing a book. And for you, what's been the most surprising or exciting thing that's happened since your most recent book has, it doesn't even have to be the most recent version, <laughs> self-published version, something that a person you met or a door that opened or something really like that you could have never predicted that happened happen tell us well i'd say uh where we met at the beyond words uh book fair uh that's another thing i forgot to mention uh absolutely go to every book fair you can find every book festival little big whatever just go to them uh that's where you're going to meet your like-minded uh people and that love reading and love writing uh just as much as i do and other authors and publishers do uh but speaking of beyond words uh, i won uh, an award for the history of miami hip-hop uh, emerging Voice, uh, Purple Quill Award. So that was amazing. It's my first award and it's something that, you know, I'll always uh, cherish. Tabitha and the team at Beyond Words are, are just amazing. Um, so that's definitely a highlight. And then going back a little bit to my self-published book, uh, when that one was released, I submitted it to the Miami Book Fair, uh, one of the largest book fairs in the nation. And I was selected for that and I was able to give a talk and, and you know, be a speaker at the 2017 Miami Book Fair. So that was also amazing because again, as a lover of literature, I've been going to the book fair since I was a kid. And to be a speaker at the Miami Book Fair was pretty amazing from a self-published book, not having the backing, you know, and the promotional muscle of, a, you know, the large publisher, et cetera. So uh, those two, I would say are both highlights of my self-published and then this latest version. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And, you know, I love that you were able to see uh, the value in a community of people who weren't having a voice initially and who, like you said, DJ Kelly was underground. He was unknown. He was, you know, and, and it's all that talent that then was brought up, you know, so that all of us can enjoy the talent. Um, and I think that that's what books can really do. They can give voices to people. Um, let me ask you this, as far as using the names of the people that you used in the book, did you have any trouble with that or how did you go about getting those permissions? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I, a lot of the interviews were already printed before in the book. So it was just basically a reprint and, uh, um, Somebody like DJ Craze is a personal friend that I've known uh, for over 25 years. So, you know, that's not an issue. Other people, you know, uh, Khaled, Pitbull, other artists, et cetera. Um, again, those interviews were already out, so it wasn't a need to get uh, express permission from them. And um, basically uh, photographs and, you know, uh, song lyrics, things of that nature, always give full credit, full copyright, uh, you know, 
um, whatever publishing and uh, all of that is 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 very important when you're dealing with quoting and quoting song lyrics and and reprinting photos that someone else took, right? So, uh, so far so good. <laughs> Again, giving all the full credit, I, I haven't uh, got any negative, uh, you know, feedback or anything. So hopefully it stays that way. <laughs> well, so you mentioned at the beginning that you have something else in mind, another book possibly coming. Have you started working on another book yet? Yes. Uh, so I'm currently working with DJ Craze. Uh, he's a very well-known uh, world champion DJ, first DJ to win the DMC DJ World Championship three consecutive times uh, from Miami. Uh, again, a personal friend. So we are working, collaborating on his book, his life story, his biography, uh, uh, we want to uh, get it also uh, to a publisher to get that wider distribution that I feel he deserves. And so uh, we're currently about, I would say, 70, 80 percent uh, done with the manuscript. We're in the final chapters already, pretty much covering his whole life and also his views, his uh, beliefs and, you know, what he has accomplished as far as being a DJ and also being someone that has uh, made history and also uh, someone that continues. Again, uh, he's been performing for over 20 years and continues to perform all over the world. Uh, that's one of the difficulties with finishing the book because his schedule, you know, uh, today he's in Australia and then next week he's in Amsterdam and then the other, you know, so it's kind of like have to work around his touring schedule. And so that's what's coming up next for me. That's exciting. Well, I so appreciate your time today and I'm so glad we connected over in Miami. What a blessing to know that <laughs> now, you know, what you said is go to the events, say yes, join the writers group. You said something I'm never going to forget. You said you get in where you fit in. And I don't know yes, if you say absolutely. that often or if it's just something <laughs> that, but, but you're right. It's finding those places where you fit in and you found those niches where you would show up and you knew your book would be well received. And I think it's so important for an author to reckon, to realize that, you know, your book and where your book can show up, let's say in a music store or in, in you know, on a DJ table or, yeah. you know, all of the places you mentioned, it's totally different from an author who's writing about, you know, leadership, let's say, or an author who's writing about grief or an author who's writing about, you know, any number of things. So it's like finding those places, you know, because I... I know that you said the, that there are times you get rejections and that's just the way it is in sales, right? Right. I mean, yes. In the form of a book, but you get a lot less rejection when you know where to show up. And I think that that's yes. what's cool is that you found all those like-minded people and then you offered them something that you knew that they would want. Um, and that's really exciting. So I really, I've, I've really enjoyed our time here. And I recommend everybody check out John's book, The History of Miami Hip Hop, The Story of DJ Khalid. I'm saying Khalid, but is it Khaled? How am I Khaled. saying it every time? <laughs> he, said, he says Khaled, Khaled. Khaled. DJ Khaled. Listening to this, I doubt he will, but if he does, I apologize for mispronouncing <laughs> your name eight times. Um, but I can pronounce Pitbull. It's fine. And and uh, other contributors. And I will link the Amazon um, book link in the uh, show notes. And I will link your website. Where's the best place for them to connect with you? Uh, yes. So they can uh, follow me on Instagram at omen305, O-M-E-N 305. 
and uh, uh, can message me there. I can purchase the book directly via Amazon or through Microcosm Publishing uh, page as well. Perfect. And do you sell signed copies, or just just so happens if you happen to be in London or in the UK? You yeah, exactly. <laughs> Catch me uh, somewhere in the world uh, in Miami. I'm actually going to be traveling uh, again to Europe uh, soon, so maybe over there. <laughs> There you go. All, all you need to do is buy a ticket to Europe and you can get a size copy <laughs> through Miami. Yeah, or come no down problem. to Miami. <laughs> no problem. Yes. So, well, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. You're clearly a talented writer with so much to offer. And I'm sure that Miami is very proud to have you um, as part of the city to offer something unique that no one else has offered before. And I look forward to the new book coming out. So hit me up once, once it's out and we'll do another interview. Um, yes, we'll do. Thank you have so a, much for having me. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the show. You too. Thank you. And that concludes today's episode of the I'm Book Podcast. This is April O'Leary signing off from O'Leary Publishing. To reach out to John Cordero, you can go to thecipherpress.com or you can find him on Instagram at omen305. Those will be linked in the show notes. And to take our author adventure, if you've ever thought about becoming a published author, hop on over to o'learypublishing.com. We would love to talk to you about becoming a published author. Have an amazing day.